in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Mm, attention all women, please. No more lip injections. No more. Don't do it. Please, please, please. I guess we have the Kardashians to blame for this, but I am looking at somebody who is under ordinary circumstances, very beautiful, except for the inflated lips. It's, uh, you know, it's one thing if you have big, full lips naturally, but I can always tell, we can always tell when they're fake. And I don't want to say the name of the person who has the big fake lips that made me think of this whole thing. Uh, but this uh, obsession with cosmetics and cosmetic surgery can lead you to a very dark place, including death, including death. Now, I know there are skilled plastic surgeons out there and uh, great people. And, uh, you know, they help little kids with cleft lips and all that stuff. And it's great stuff. But um, there is a limit. There is a limit. You can get totally carried away with this stuff. A reality star from uh, Brazil, and Brazil's a great place. Um they are kind of vain, all right? Above average in the in the vanity department. Same goes for Venezuela, oh, by the way. Above average in the vanity department. I mean, we're probably on that list, too, in America. But anyway, this uh, big reality star down there, she got a um, liposuction on her leg, and she died in the surgery. And I'm looking at her before picture. Well, I'm looking at her. She's fine, very fine-looking woman. You would never think, but I could see in this crazy, silly, stupid world we're in now, right, where everyone's taking pictures of themselves nonstop, that she would think momentarily that maybe my legs are too big, right, because you're comparing yourself to everybody else. Anyway, she died. She had a respiratory event in the middle of this thing. Um, I do not like the fake lips. I do not like the, uh, you know, it's just too much, too much, too much fakeness, all right? Fake, fake, fake. Um the debate last night. Who saw it? I know it does not matter. It doesn't matter. It's um, it's irrelevant. It's not really worthy of much of anything. Um, but a couple of cool things did happen. All right, a couple of great moments. Um, and that guy Vivek, I mean, he is a superstar. He is fantastic. And I know people quibble about him uh, all kinds of different ways. And there is a big, there are some question marks about him. Ask him how he made his money. <laughs> you can't figure out exactly what he did. But, hey, look, he got himself onto that debate stage. He is surviving and thriving. Think about it. He beat out Mike Pence, a former vice president of the United States, for four years. What kind of, what a terrible politician Mike Pence is if he can't make it to that debate stage. He had to quit because he knew he wasn't going to make it. Uh, cause you have to have, you know, this criteria, that criteria, you have a whole, these little, this, these standards that you got to make. He didn't make it. Mike Pence did not make it. Uh, Mike Pompeo, former secretary of state. These guys could not make it. Vivek Ramaswamy, whether you like him or not, he's in this thing and he's going to be in the American conversation. And I think he's going to be a great leader someday. Yeah. He's a little bit wacky on some of his views. I'd like to see a little bit less equivocation when it comes to Israel, uh, maybe a lot less equivocation, but he's a very important force. And, man, did he give it to the fake news right out of the gate. Uh, let's see here. Well, first of all, um, do we have that part where he make? yeah, Ronna McDaniel. Who is Ronna McDaniel? What do we owe Ronna McDaniel? Ronna McDaniel is just a person, just a political hack. She is the chief of the Republican National Committee. Aren't you supposed to fire these people every time you lose? 
Well, she loses all the time. She keeps that job. And I was told, because I was really rooting for Harmeet Dillon. Anyway, it's all very intramural and kind of silly political gossip. But she stinks. And Vivek Ramaswamy let her know that to her face. Cut 16. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. All right. Good for him. She needed to hear that. Now, you could say, well, what about Trump? He was there. And, you know, isn't it as much his fault? Actually, it's not. <laughs> Actually, it's not. Um, she's the insider. Trump is the outsider. And Trump, you know, he has no official role. He's cheering people on. Yeah, he's raising money. He's giving endorsements, that kind of thing, which I like because it shows that he's not afraid. Uh, you know, a lot of people just hoard their popularity and they just keep it and keep it and keep it. You got to do something with it. And I like it. I like it a lot. Let's see here. Vivek also lays into because um, what's her name? Rana McDaniel. And she's Mitt Romney's niece, by the way. Um. She arranged for these silly debates. And where is she given the debates? Uh, Fox News, who hate Trump. Fox Business, they hate Trump. And NBC News last night. And they really hate Trump. Cut 17, please. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our country back. And she's just sitting there smiling, which I got to admit. Of all the things she could have done was probably the best thing to do. Smile. Like, you know, you got me there. You know, she just smiled. If she looked defensive, if she, if she looked nervous, that would have been a real fiasco. But it's a great question. Still a fiasco for NBC News. I mean, they have not addressed it. None of the people, the New York Times, they still have those uh, fraudulent Pulitzer Prizes. Think about it. What happened there? Donald Trump Jr. took a meeting with a Russian person who said that they had dirt on on Hillary. Uh, that's actually okay. That's not against the law. I would listen, wouldn't you? No money changed hands. As soon as she got there, she was like, uh, I want to talk about adoption policies in Russia. They threw her out of the building, and that was it. Meanwhile, there's serious, serious cash going to the Bidens, and somehow there's no evidence of that. Uh, there's ample evidence. It's all there. Too many conservatives, though, we uh, we let the, the, the New York Times doesn't write it. Somehow it's not true. We have got to fix this. We also have to fix about how, how we talk about abortion. Uh, Roe v. Wade, congratulations, Donald Trump. We've got to take it from here and figure out what the hell the future is 
on that issue. Let's see here. I, I got to do one more, Vivek. Uh, cut 18, please. Here he is taking on basically the world. Cut 18. The fact of the matter is the Republican Party is not that much better. You have the likes of Nikki Haley, who stepped down from her time at the U.N., bankrupt or in debt is, was her family. Then she becomes a military contractor. She joins the board of Boeing and otherwise and is now a multimillionaire. So I think that that's wrong when Republicans do it or Democrats do it. That's the choice we face. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first? Or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? All right, Mr. In which case, we've got two of them on stage. Oh, wow, two of them. Unfortunately... He uh, he stepped on a pretty good joke. He was referring to Governor DeSantis, right? But he stepped on it. He stepped on it. Now, do we have what's her name? Uh, Nikki Haley, who I don't think we've talked about this enough. Yeah, she did get rich. State lawmaker to governor to U.N. ambassador. And now she's on the board of Boeing. That's a really big job. And you get a lot of other jobs uh, if you're on the board of Boeing. All right. So here she is. And this is the corniest thing in the world. I find her very, very hokey. Maybe this works in the sticks, but it doesn't work here. Let's hear her talk about the shoes. Yes, I'd first like to say they're five-inch heels, and I don't wear them unless you can run in them. Um, well, we got two this, of you on The second there, thing so. that I will say is I wear heels. They're not for a fashion statement. They're for ammunition. <laughs> that's cute, really. I mean, that's gonna that, that would impress the, uh, the Chamber of Commerce in, I don't know, what, Spartanburg? South Carolina, but it doesn't work anywhere else. And she says it with this big, like, self-satisfied smile, like, yeah, Nikki, you nailed it with that one. Uh, it doesn't work anymore. We've all grown up. Uh, let's see here. Oh, and what about that thing where um, he did she call him a scumbag? Uh, do we have Vivek doing it first? Let me hear this. Cut 15. Mr. Ramaswamy. Uh, we've talked about this. You campaign on TikTok. How do you get TikTok banned if you use it? Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which was about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Your adult daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters propping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy scum. Wow. You're just scum. You're just scum? Well, I guess I'm a, am I scummy? Because I'm going to talk about Rena Haley right here. Let's see here. Rena Haley. All right. She's 25 years old. You know, if you're running around as a candidate for president uh, complaining about other people on TikTok and your own adult daughters on TikTok, I think that's an issue. I think that's okay to point out. Uh, I know something about the, oh, wait a second. Let me a second. I know about the daughter because she got married to a guy uh, a few months ago, Nikki Haley's daughter. And in the official wedding photo, it's very bizarre. Uh, the groom, you know, the daughter's husband, uh, Nikki Haley is all over the guy. I mean, she's got his, her hand pressed like right in a very intimate fashion, right on his chest in a, like a really like the mother-in-laws are not supposed to touch their son-in-laws like this, except in certain scenarios that they talk about on the internet. I don't. This is not a good situation. And talk about an overreaction. Scum. Scum. You know, I think she's just trying to change the subject from, yeah, what about all those corporate boards? What about all that stuff? And enough with her having 
UN experience. She doesn't. Uh, she really doesn't. Uh, she'll pretend that she does, but remember, she doesn't. Cut 19. The only thing we should be doing is supporting them and eliminating Hamas. It is not that Israel needs America. America needs Israel. They are the tip of the spear when it comes to this Islamic terrorism, and we need to make sure that we have their backs in that process. No problem there. That's fine. That's a no-brainer in my book. But the Ukraine stuff, that's a little bit more nuanced. Uh, Let's see here. Let's try cut 20. I've said it before. I think you have to be honest with the American people. This is a personal issue for every woman and every man. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, but because my husband, Michael, was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children. So I'm surrounded by blessings. Having said that, when you look post-Roe, a wrong was made right. They took it out of the hands of unelected justices and they put it in the hands of the people. All right, stop. She's either too angry, talks too fast. Talks to us like we're in fourth grade. Um, even when I agree with her on the issues, I just can't stand her. And they're trying to say that this is the, it's funny, on our little cut sheet here, did DeSantis even make the cut? Did he literally make the cut? Uh, oh, yeah, he did, we, he did make the cut. Let's see. Cut 24, <laughs> the end this of the co- list. This country is in trouble. And the elites that have put us here, they don't care about you. They don't care that you're having to grapple with higher grocery prices or have higher gas prices. They don't care that your family's less secure because of the open border that's allowed drugs and even terrorists to come into this country. Well, I care. I am not going to sit idly by and let this country continue its downward spiral. We need leadership, and we need it now. I'll take the hits. I'll take the arrows. I'll take the slings. Because ultimately, it's not about me. It's about you. I will fight for you. I will make sure to lead this country's revival and I will win for you and your family. All right. Thank Actions. you. I mean, you can just, you can just hear this consultant sitting down. Don't say that you're, <laughs> you say that you're fighting for the people, right? I mean, this is so canned with Donald Trump. It's genuine. It's real and he's proven it. We got to take this guy's word for it and talk about the body language. At one point, he was just like standing in the weakest, weirdest way while Nikki Haley has given it to him. Should we do one more? Chris Christie? Nah, skip it. So long, Chris. Uh, he'll be back on the ABC News show pretty soon. Uh, this stunt will uh, die its own death. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, so Eric Adams had to hire a criminal defense attorney. Uh, the second mayor in a row who's had major criminal inquiries into... Uh, his conduct, his uh, his activities. Boyd Johnson is the lawyer's name. This guy is expensive. I can tell right now. I'm looking at his bio, looking at the law firm. He is one expensive. He's like one of these at least $1,200 an hour lawyers, all right? These guys will bankrupt you really quick. You know, de Blasio had to hire one of these lawyers. Uh, de Blasio still hasn't paid back all of his debts. He's uh, He's got to pay for the security that he fraudulently took with him to Iowa. Remember when he was campaigning for president? All that crap. Uh, he's still in trouble. You know who was clean? Totally clean. Not a whiff. Not a whiff of anything in terms of uh, personal scandal. Mike Bloomberg and Rudy Giuliani. Absolutely. Not a whiff of anything. Any kind of personal profit whatsoever. Well, what about Rudy and that lady? No, I'm not. Ta- that's personal and everybody knew it and he was quite frankly open about it, right? It was op- very open about his life and what was going on. He talked about it. That has, that's not what I'm talking about here. Like, 
wrongdoing, using the office for personal gain. He did not do it. Uh, wasn't even alleged. But here we have two, I mean, two mayors in a row. Very serious questions about their integrity. Um, and, uh, no surprise whatsoever. I told you guys about him. What a bum. What a total bum. All right. Let's do the other little item here. Hey, $140 million for the ugliest painting I've ever seen. Picasso. Picasso paid, painted a picture of his girlfriend back in 1932. They must have broken up after this painting because she is so ugly in this painting. I mean, it is like she looks like an orangutan. I mean, it is unbelievably bad. And somebody just paid $140 million uh, for this thing. It came uh, Sotheby's. They had the big auction house, you know, and some uh, mysterious buyer phones in from somewhere, some island, and you got the... You know the the, the the attractive girl there, and you know, I, actually, was it Sotheby's or Christie's? One of, is Christie's, Christie's, and the winning bid. And then there's another thing. Um, it's just a gray slate. It's just a. It looks like a gray slate of nothing, and that got like ninety million dollars. I showed my wife. She's like, "Oh, that's Agnes Martin." I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's a gray slate. No, that's Agnes Barr. She majored in uh, painting, actually. She majored in painting. Yeah. So uh, she knows that stuff. Very, very impressive. And the rest of us, not too impressed. The other thing, one other thing about the debate last night, it seemed to me that the moderators were f- more focused on Islamophobia than anti-Semitism. And, you know, this myth that so- the-, the country is engulfed by Islamophobia, and there's all this persecution going on of Arab Americans. It is a lie. It's not happening. We, <laughs> we're we grown up here. We're not these cavemen they keep portraying us, especially MAGA. But the anti-Semitism is real, and it did not receive nearly adequate attention from the mainstream moderators last night. I wonder why. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. In Washington, D.C., pro-jihadist demonstrators climbed up the fence in front of the White House. Excuse me, that I built. I built it. You know, the fence wasn't too good. The one that they had up there was falling apart. And we built it. Titanium, it's the strongest stuff. And they damaged the fence and they damaged police vehicles. They desecrated statues of Ben Franklin and other great heroes of our country. And they shouted, Allah Akbar while calling the barbaric Hamas terrorists martyrs, they were saying martyrs. In times like these, you can't afford to have a president who wants to be politically correct. We have to do things properly. We cannot have an administration that takes foreign policy advice from Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib. Can't do that. Wow. Uh, so powerful, so true. And you know what? What about those... Uh those riots in front of the White House the other night and the desecration of the statues and the uh, destruction, the damage, the vandalism that we saw of police vehicles and more. Imagine if a bunch of MAGA people did something like that. Number one, MAGA people don't do things like that. But can you imagine what would be going on right now? Uh, yeah, uh, that doesn't happen, though. That's not what we're like. Uh, this excuse, though, from the left, because the media, Democrats, they basically agree with these protesters. Uh, I don't agree with the harassment of anybody who uh, unlawfully, and I think that the January 6th people have been harassed and some of them prosecuted and imprisoned unlawfully. Did you see they had a SWAT team looking for some guy who was just there on January 6th in New Jersey yesterday? I mean, talk about 
over the top. Um, hey, can we find out what actually happened to that chef who worked at Obama's house up there in Martha's Vineyard? You know, a very healthy young man who cooked for the Obamas going all the way back to the White House days, right? Um, turned up dead, uh, in the backyard of the Obama's house. Nude, by the way. Nude. And I think that's kind of a big deal. It's curious, right? It's just a curious thing. Wow, that doesn't happen every day. You don't have a dead body showing. Can you imagine if a dead body turned up at Mar-a-Lago? Don't you think there'd be some media interest? Huh? Especially if this was a long-time, close, confidant, associate of Donald Trump. Imagine that. Well, that's what happened in Martha's Vineyard. And there's a news blackout. Well, that's a conspiracy theory. You know what? I hate, <laughs> I hate that. Don't call it a conspiracy theory. These guys, the people, the amateur slews, the internet journalists, they're just right half the time quicker than anybody else. Now, I'm not drawing any conclusions here, but I think some questions have to be answered. What was happening? Let's have the full report. The Obamas were home. I know the girls were home. I think Michelle was home, and I think Barack was there. What do they know? It's a big deal. A dead person, a healthy man who was a very good swimmer. They say he washed up, washed up, uh, drowned on the shore. You know, the backyard actually it includes a beach. He's gotten so rich, so rich. And why? What skill does he have? What, uh, what product does he have? Nothing but his arrogance, nothing but that, and that billionaire's sheen he has, right? Because those guys take care of themselves very, very well. He is so vain. I want to know. Don't you think that's kind of a legit news topic? Dead body, president's house. It's kind of a no-brainer. And you know what? The complete news blackout on this matter makes me a little bit mm, suspicious. (laughs) What happened? What do they know? I mean, literally, I'm just asking questions. All right? I mean, I, 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 but I think any curious person, that's a good story. By good story, I mean naturally people are interested in that. But people don't even know about it, which is kind of crazy un-American, don't you think? I think that's horrific. I think it's uh, bad news. I want to know, hey, we got to get this legislation defeated. Uh, Thomas Massey is fighting it, but new cars built in 2026, I think electric cars, and we don't know how they're going to go, but... They want to have a kill switch at the factory, kill switch at the automotive headquarters, possibly at the Department of Homeland Security. They can work together to turn off a car if they don't like the way it's driving. Who the hell is the government, the federal government, to be involved in the way we're driving? Stay the hell out of it. This raises all kinds of privacy issues, constitutional issues. Can you imagine such a thing? And you know what? There is a time and a place where you just have to break the speed limit. You can't have your car turned off. Uh, it's none of their business. We already have law enforcement for it. We are really going in an authoritarian direction. Uh, big tech, big tech is hand in hand. You know, I have found that they will not. Let's see here. Yep. They're, int- they're issuing correction after correction after correction on last night's debate. You know, most of what I heard last night was political opinion, but they're treating it as somehow 
it was a public utility, and if the information in their view isn't perfect, they're going to tag it, they're going to put a warning on it, or they're going to delete it. That is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous stuff. Who's going to make that decision? The government has no business making that decision. And big tech, they don't have any business making that decision. I don't care if it's a private platform. I don't care if Facebook is owned by Mark Zuckerberg and his friends and stockholders. I don't care about that stuff. It's too big, too big. We have to take it from them. The American people, we have to find a way, and I think you can. You open the book, the antitrust laws. There is way too much power. Uh, centered among four or five guys. That's Sanjay dude from Google, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, even Elon Musk, who I like a lot. There may just be a little bit too much there for one guy, for three guys, for four guys. Um, we can't have this. They broke up AT&T. They broke up Microsoft. They found a legal way to do it. Uh, going back hundreds of 200 years in this country, they were worried about a, a, a small number of people having too much power in private industry. This is what government is for. We need help here because they have delegated. The government has delegated censorship to uh, private industry and they think they're being cute about it. They're being evil about it. Uh, Joe, hello. Hello, Greg. Uh, if I wanted to uh, define something just on something you just said, the mainstream media needs to realize that, Democracy, the definition of democracy is the will of the people, whether it's they want MAGA, don't want illegal aliens. It's not what you what they think democracy is. This is baloney with the corrections. They are not. They are now the state news. And we are one election away from tyranny and revolution. And people don't believe it. The people even there's 20 million illegals here. There's almost 75, 80 million of them here. Keep believing all the bull that they tell you and see what happens. You'll be in shackles. You'll be in shackles, believe me. And Mr. President, you can fool everybody you want. But I wasn't made with a finger. And the only thing Obama has for him is that old black magic. If he was white, he would have never. Oh, done you know what? Why do you have to make it all race again? I I knew you were going there. You know, you make all these good points, and then you then you start throwing around racist stuff. I could. You wanted to do it earlier in your comment. Now, I I, I got to be honest. I started to tune you out, so I don't know exactly what you said about race, but I do know you. You've called before, and you've offended me on issues of race. And quite frankly, you know. <laughs> I am, I am very open-minded and I am very comfortable talking about race and in a way that most people aren't and I think in a way that must be discussed. But Joe, you crossed the line. Then there is a line. Yes, you did. Yes, you do. You know what I'm talking about. Just leave it alone. And not the way you need to refine that a little bit. You need to talk to some people. You need to get out more. You have been too isolated. And you talk to yourself with these thoughts. I'm not trying to pick on you, but I feel like you're a little bit. Do you socialize much? I socialize. I'm out every day, five days a week, five hours a day on the golf course. And you're, wow. Uh, well, then you don't have a, you shouldn't have it. Why are you so bitter and mean? Five hours because a day on the golf are- course. I have never, my five hours. Well, you lived a good life, I guess, but, uh, Talk to your golf buddies, all right? Lighten up a little bit. Thank you. Uh, let's do another one. Uh, Nate is standing by. Hello, Nate in Manhattan. Uh, yeah, you, you actually touched on something that I, I wanted to speak about with regard to the uh, over-the-top SWAT team 
paramilitary hunt for one guy who allegedly showed up at the January 6th uh, protest uh, back in 2020. And, you know, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, the FBI and the Justice Department are hunting down ordinary uh, tax-paying, law-abiding people who at most are guilty of misdemeanors, all a taxpayer's expense, to make an example out of them. Now, this should scare the hell out of anybody. The fact that the Justice Department and Merrick Garland, that vindictive, evil little tyrant that heads the FBI and the Justice Department, the Attorney General, uh, that can actually declare an entire swath of the American public, damn near half the electorate, as domestic terrorists, because you don't think that homosexuals should be teaching uh, four-year-olds in kindergarten, because you don't think that CRT should be brainwashed into your children uh, in uh, public schools that are paid for it by your tax dollars, uh, and if you don't think that the government should be taking away your uh, Second Amendment rights by forcing you to register uh, for a firearm, meanwhile the criminals have multiple firearms that they get off the street that they don't register for, uh, and if you if you think that ordinary uh, Americans have their bill of rights being violated on a daily basis by police agencies, they think you're a threat. Now I want to and to wrap it up and to bring it full circle. Uh, perhaps you remember here in New York City, there was a cop, an NYPD cop who was arrested. Her name is Lillian By- uh, Baez. Yeah, that's it. Uh, she was arrested for heroin trafficking while on the job. Uh, in 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 the Bronx, I believe. Now, I'm, the the point I'm making is that you know the police agencies themselves are corrupt. In so far as that they're already corrupt, they have their hands full. No, I disagree with you on that. You you had me for most of it. Uh, the police agencies are corrupt. I think that's too broad a statement. I think that's too. Uh, and you you cite somebody, uh, some cop who was arrested for heroin trafficking. Guess what? Uh, Unfortunately, that's always going to happen, right, in any industry, whether you're an educator, whether you're a truck driver, whether you're a cop, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're an accountant, there's always going to be the potential to do something wrong. You know, you can eliminate that, but you can also, if you eliminate that, you eliminate everything. You know, you could, uh, in America, you actually have, in a weird way, you have to have the right to break the law. And then you should face the consequences. But if you did not have the liberty to break the law and you don't, I know that sounds a little bit dangerous, but it's not. I mean, if we, in, a, in an authoritarian security state, it'd be very hard to break the law. We don't want that. I feel like there might be a personal con- connection between you and Lillian Baez because that's a pretty specific uh, case to bring up. No, no, it's indicative of a, a broader, broader trend. Well, I mean, I don't, no, no, I mean, no, no, I, I think that. No, we've always had a, a measure of corruption in any institution in the world. I'm sorry. I mean, um, look at that movie Serpico. I mean, it's just been around. It will always be. You can eradicate it. I think, quite frankly, the people who are engaged in it now are dumber than ever before because it's incredibly easy uh, to get caught. I am concerned about some of the police departments out there going woke, going left. That's generally the problem of uh, the management, the upper tier, sometimes the civilian appointees, often the mayor of a city, Adams, de Blasio, that kind of thing. Uh, but to cite uh, old Lillian Baez and uh, her heroin thing, I, you know, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, got a lot of good points there, Nate. Thank you. And uh, good callers, good callers, pretty intense callers, but that's okay. Um and no prank phone callers in a while. Whatever happened to Rude Russ? Huh? Whatever happened to Jamal? Um, uh, 
Uh, do me a favor, Rude Russ and Jamal, do not take that as a cue to call. All right, please don't. We, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, everybody's calling about that caller, uh, Joe from Long Island. I will update you in a moment. Uh, but how about this? There's going to be a four-hour pause in the war every day. <laughs> a four-hour daily timeout uh, to uh, humanitarian relief operations will occur. Let's see here. Israel has agreed to implement daily four-hour humanitarian pauses in its assault against Hamas terrorists in northern Gaza in order to allow ordinary Palestinians to flee the combat zone, the White House said Thursday. Uh, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters on a conference call that the Jewish state will announce the safe windows at least three hours in advance. I mean, this is incredibly unusual, incredibly generous. I want I mean, war is hell, but we're going to take a four hour break. A timeout, everybody. I, uh, I wonder about the practicality of this. Uh, we've been told by the Israelis that there will be no military operations in these areas over the duration of the pause and that this process is starting today. Uh, we believe these pauses are a step in the right direction. To what? What does Biden actually want? I think, remember, he doesn't work for us. He's working for uh, the far left, and he's desperately trying to cling to power. And the far left, and they're not so far left, quite frankly. The left, we'll call them, the left. The Tlaib, the Omar, the AOC, that, that's the heart and soul of the Democrat Party. Joe uh, is basically owned by them, and he's playing both sides here, and we can see right through it. Uh, he has not been nearly supportive enough of Israel. He's been uh, strangely silent on anti-Semitism. He's been strangely silent on Iran and all kinds of weird stuff, and our troops continue to get pummeled. Uh, the White House has repeatedly insisted that the pauses are different from the ceasefire called for by pro-Hamas activists. Yeah, I'd like to know more about that. How exactly? Uh, basically, from the experts I've talked to, there's there's no difference. All right, there's 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 no difference. All right, back to Joe. Uh, now, Joe has called here before, and he has said some like totally over the top, inappropriate things. I agree with him on some things, but when he gets, uh, he's been very um, uh, sloppy and weird when it comes to race in the past. Uh, now, I'm told that wait, all he said was, if Barack Obama, if Barack Obama were white. He wouldn't be elected president. Now, that is actually a fair statement. All right. That is a fair statement. I can. And he's right. But it's it's the tonality and, quite frankly, his track record. So every time he brings up race, I get a little bit nervous because he's been known to say some pretty outlandish things that I disagree with. And I I, I said right out loud, I didn't I wasn't really following everything he said. But uh, Obama is a prime example of that. I mean, affirmative action gone uh, totally haywire. But with a corrupt and actually slightly racist underpinning. So Barack Obama became a United States senator in 2005, January of 2005. In February of 2007, he starts his campaign for president. Two years. Two years. He never got anything passed of any significance. He had no executive experience whatsoever. 
Why do we like him so much? Well, this uh, mythology that somehow he was special because Harvard Law. No, that's not special. Lots of people go to Harvard Law. I think Chuck Schumer uh, went to Harvard Law. And nobody's fallen all over themselves to see Chuck Schumer uh, run for president, right? It's never happened. Um, half the half the lawyers at uh, any law firm in on Sixth Avenue went to Harvard Law or Yale Law, those big law uh, law schools. Um, what else about him? All right, so but he's incredibly articulate and eloquent. Mm, not particularly, not at all. You ever hear him speak without a script? It is a different guy. Uh, his speeches, well, he unified the country. Not really. Go back to 2004 and listen to that speech that made him a superstar. It's like, there is no red state America. There is no white state America. There is only the United States of America. Like, wow, that's, uh, go back four years prior. They were saying the same stuff. All right. Somehow when he said it, it was supposed to be special. Look, um, he ran against Hillary an inherently flawed person and candidate. Uh, that gave him an avenue. And yeah, that he was black. Uh, as what did, what did uh, Biden say? He was articulate and clean, and that's a fairy tale, man. I mean, this is what I'm talking about with the underpinning, the underpinning of racism, because that's racist to be so impressed over something that's not that impressive. But in Biden's head, right, all black people are poor, right? Remember, he has said things like that out loud, and um, I don't like it. And uh, I don't think you like it either, Chris. Hey, uh, you, you're one of the callers here. I, I, does, does that make sense? Well, yeah, exactly. I didn't ask exactly why I called. I, you know, that guy was right on the money about everything. He yeah, said. I know, but you know what? I'm telling you, dude. I know the guy. He calls before, and he has said some crazy, outlandish, kind of shocking things that I got to shut him down for right away, and I couldn't take a chance. But he wasn't wrong about that. How are you? Hey, tell me about Monroe. It's upstate, right? Yeah, it's up by. Somebody mentioned. Uh, uh, what's that amusement park you went to up there? Oh, Legoland. Legoland, yeah, great place, great people. Uh, a little expensive, by the way. A little expensive. And every time you turn around, there's something else to buy. Uh, but I will go back. Great people, great pool, a little bit cold. <laughs> uh, a great place for the kids. They went bananas over it. It's no uh, great adventure, though, all right? If you really want to go for the big rides... Uh, do what I do. Uh, go to a Great Adventure. I usually take a week or two and go to down there to Jackson, New Jersey, and enjoy myself. Um, I, uh, didn't do it this year, but definitely next year when it opens. They had the Oktoberfest, which I missed. Too bad. I love Great Adventure. I love Bush Gardens. I love Disney World. I love Disneyland. I loved Rye Playland. I loved uh, Sesame Street Plays. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, so um, Alan Hevesy died. Alan Hevesy, remember him? Former city controller, former state controller, who was a lawmaker for a long time, ran for mayor, didn't work out. Uh, then he became the state controller, and uh, and then he got indicted and arrested, and he had to go to jail. Alan Hevesy. Uh, Alan Hevesy, dead at the age of, uh, looks like 82 or 83. Hmm. Sorry to hear that. I liked Alan Hevesy. Um, he's one of the first uh, guys I met as a reporter, uh, covering the New York City mayor's race in 2001. 
he was, uh, you know what I had to do? I had to go see his big endorsement from Abner Loima. It was that we were told that there's a surprise announcement going to take place and, um, Abner Loima comes out and endorses Alan Hevesy. It was definitely an odd, uh, pairing. You know what I mean? And I remember the press conference, um, Alan Hevesy, which I used to be able to, I used to be able to imitate him. First of all, nice guy, uh, uh, you know, condolences to his family. Um, definitely made some mistakes along the way. I think his son is a state lawmaker as well. Uh, also a pretty, and a pretty effective one as well. Dennis, I believe his name is. Abner, would you like to tell the people what happened to you? That terrible thing? <laughs> Abner, do you have anything else to say? He, he kind of talked like this. And it just like, it was so like, and Abner Loima, man, oh man, that guy went through a lot. But it's very hard to understand Abner. He spoke with a very heavy, uh, I think it was a Haitian act. I could not understand that. Anyway, it was just a bizarre thing. Um, and that was considered a coup. A real, you know, Abner Louima, right? The guy was assaulted in the, um, in the station house with the broomstick. Terrible, 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 terrible crime. By the way, the guy who did that to him, uh, Justin Volpe, was paroled not too long ago. Hey, that guy went away and did hard time, hard time. And he deserved hard time. Uh, from what I saw in the paper, he's, you know, he's, he's apologetic and he wants to get his life back in order. He paid his debt to society and, uh, and, uh, onward, onward for him. He's out there on Staten Island somewhere. <sighs> All right. Here's why, well, Alan Hevesy, major public figure, died dead. And, uh, oh, why was he in trouble? It was a pay to play scheme with that maniac of a political advisor. Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S. I can't remember his first name, but I, in, in my life, I have seldom met anybody as detestable, as like obnoxious, as like in 10 seconds. I'm not a violent person. I mean, I just wanted to, I just wanted to push him off the ledge. He was the most offensive guy in the world. Morris. Anybody remember his name? Not Dick Morris. He's great. Anyway. I guess that's for me to work out. But here's the thing. I often thought over the years of reaching out to uh, Alan Hevesy, but I didn't know him well enough to do that. You know what I mean? Look, he went to jail, uh, could have been mayor, could have been governor, didn't work out. He was nice to me on the campaign trail. I appreciated that. We weren't close. But I kind of would wonder about him. How is he doing? You know what I mean? Like, what's he doing? It's tough to get out of jail, and Right. Now, he had a state pension, so I knew he wasn't um, indigent. He was getting money. Um, you just walked in. Uh, James Flippin, you're a reasonable man. It would have been weird if I just called him up and say, hey, uh, remember me? Uh, you want to get coffee? I'm, I, I was, like, morbidly fascinated by his predicament. That's part of it. I also wanted to, you know, I don't know, see what I can learn and maybe try to cheer him up a little bit. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, I mean, but don't you think people that are in the public eye because of things like that or, or people that have, you know, been taken down a few notches or dealt with something that was humbling or, you know, maybe humiliating in some case, they're they're usually a little more receptive to talking to people than you might otherwise think if they feel like that person's sympathetic to them, right? Ah, you see, I thought you were going to say something else that would make me feel very good about not reaching out. Now I feel worse. You're right. Well, he would I mean, have I, appreciated the phone call. Yeah. Have, yeah. I don't know. Because, I mean, I feel like people that have been down on their luck, maybe there's not that many people that reach out to them to say. But then again, he could have also been like very closed off and, you know, nervous that you were as a journalist trying to get a story or something like I, that. Yeah, it wasn't any of those things. And quite frankly, you know what? I'm realizing now I don't have the time. Right. I mean, back when I was thinking about that stuff, it was probably before I was ma- I'm married. I have two kids. 
you know, I got, you know, I, I, there's only so many time, so much time, right? I can't go off to, you know, knock on some stranger's door, you know what I mean? And, uh, invite myself in. That would be, yeah, that would be, yeah. All right. Rest in peace, Alan Hevesy. I'm sorry. Uh, he had some highs and some, some low lows. Uh, James Flippin, you just walked in. What is going on with the schools? I hear that there's going to be a pro Palestinian, pro Hamas, anti Israel student walkout. They're going to put down their pencils and walk out of the school. However, whoever the hell organized this thing, I don't think they understand how that works. You're supposed to do that in the middle of the day, not at the <laughs> end of the day. They're doing it when the bell rings. Well, so work this out because the rally is supposed to start at three o'clock in Bryant Park. So, I mean, I guess you have to. Oh, get no, yeah, there. That, that makes sense. All right. So they're going to quit. Uh, they're going to leave, you know, at lunchtime and get themselves to Bryant Park. So they're going to blow off school. And that's wrong. But you know what? I'm sorry. Oh, gosh, the schools are in such dire shape. Too many. And you know who's really responsible? The kids. The kids. The kids are totally, I mean, often, not always, but a lot, they are, they misbehave. They blow off the teacher. They act up in class. I'm talking about the schools that are said to be failing. You know, it's like, what's the solution? More money? How about the solution is, Listening to the teacher, doing your homework, and paying attention in class. I had total maniacs teaching me at times. Total maniacs. I had one teacher hit me in the head so hard. I I, I think she gave me a concussion. Um, she should have been arrested. Yeah. But whatever. I you know sucked it up. My parents actually had a talking. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> but I'm anyway. I didn't have any great teachers. I had one or two great teachers. Most of them stunk. To be honest, sorry, they did. They probably have horrible things to say about me as well, but it's really up to the students, don't you think? I understand what you're saying, yeah, and I think there needs to be more accountability placed on people that are within the education system, right? I mean, you know, that idea of accounts, accountability, consequences, kind of uh, not in vogue these days, I guess. But at the same time, you referenced your parents. Don't you think that's probably the bigger reason why you are who you are and what you've done and all that kind of thing. It's not your education. It's your parents. It's a huge, 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 huge component. And as I was saying that out loud, you know, I did realize, you know, there are a lot of folks. Don't, the most secure environment for a kid is two family homes, right? We know that. Two, I'm sorry, two parent households. Uh, not everybody has that. Now, that doesn't mean you can't achieve great things. And many people have in one parent homes or even from orphanages. I've heard of all kinds of different combinations. But when you're talking about large numbers, yes, two parent homes are the best. And a lot of kids don't have that uh, advantage. And and that's a shame. But putting all that aside, because I've said that before, you've heard me say it before, and I know about all these other things. It doesn't totally absolve somebody from acting up in class no, and blow, blowing off everything and not doing homework and bringing a gun to school and just doing all this other, you know, nonsense. But it um, makes me think of what you said yesterday, you know, not to totally connect to unrelated stories, but Brianna Suggs, the campaign staffer who's supposedly under investigation with the FBI. Some people wanted to say, oh, she's a young staffer. She's she's very young. You know, she's 25 years old. I mean, some of the same stuff happens probably with teenagers who are in high school where they're kind of given a pass because they're younger, even though this is a really important time in their life. Well, I mean, we're not giving them a pass when it comes to crime. We're giving them a pass. I don't think they get a pass when it comes to acting up in class and disrespecting a teacher and all that other stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't. I think you got to like, you know, and, and there have to be uh, consequences for that. Uh, as far as 25-year-old people, uh, you're an adult. You're an adult. And let's see what the law does. All right. So is there any other things news-wise I need to know? 
Um, anybody needs to know? No, not really. Nothing that you need to know. I mean, I, are you into the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree? Uh, yeah, I'd like to know about that. Well, they just cut it down today. It's coming down from an area near Binghamton, New York. You still and live there? Go up on Saturday. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's not as interesting as I thought it would be. <laughs> I don't know. All right, the Christmas tree. What about that that owl Flocko that got out of the Central Park Zoo? Now they say it's down on the Lower East Side. Mm. Any interest in that that L- owl that's flying around? Let him go. Let him be. He shouldn't have been in a zoo. And um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm I'm impressed. Hey, Christmas is coming. When is Thanksgiving? Two weeks from Friday, Thursday, hopefully. Yes. Two weeks from today. Uh, Two weeks correct. from today. Yes. Wow. What do you do for Thanksgiving? What's your tradition? Uh, we used to all go to Aunt Teresa's house, and Aunt Teresa is no longer with us, so we don't have really a tradition yet. Uh, so uh, the great Teresa King. Everybody in Breezy Point knows who I'm talking about. She died in December of, uh, forgive me, I think it's 2018, and we miss her dearly. I know my mom does, her little sister. Uh, yeah, so, uh, no. What do you do? Do you guys not get together anymore? Uh, no, we just uh, all stay in our respective homes, and we never, you know, just eat the TV. Di- no, of course we do get together, but it, it's not a tradition yet. We don't have a pattern. That hasn't been established. We used to all go there and do our thing, and now it's a little bit different every day. Yeah. What do you do? We actually had the family over at our house, my husband and I, ever since we moved into that house about five years ago. Oh, boy. <laughs> Gosh, yes, I'm, a little unco- I'm not uncomfortable. You are uncomfortable. I can tell. It just does. I mean, you are so not gay. It's not even funny. I mean, you are so straight. It's unbelievable. I have a feeling. Hey, never mind. You you don't necessarily buy it. I think we're going to have to have my husband come in here. No, I do not. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure he's a great guy. I would I would be very cordial and... Um, and mystified. <laughs> All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Two weeks to go. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Have you seen that video from Panama? It's pretty wild and it's horrible. A murder right there on uh, before our eyes. So, you know, the environmental extremism is happening globally all over the place. you got these maniacs who try to take over the street. You know, you can't drive. Uh, we're protesting uh, global warming, so we're going to block this street and you can't get to work. Well, that infuriates people. Uh, and sometimes people get very upset and they'll grab them and remove them or uh, the cops show up and there's a big stink. Um, but I saw this guy and uh, he's so fed up. But he's fed up in a very peculiar way. It's like he's tired. A lot of these guys are totally outraged. Now, how dare you and get the hell out of the road. And I, I'm with you. I totally feel the same way. This guy was like frustrated in a different way. He's like, oh, geez, I can't take this anymore. Ah, brother. Uh, he takes out a gun and he shoots a guy. He just shoots him dead. This happened in Panama. The man who did the shooting uh, is a lawyer from America, is a dual Panamanian American citizenship. And a lot of people are noting that, you know, there's no rage here, just fatigue. Uh, it's, it's an interesting picture. He has like, he doesn't have a, a, an, an emotion. He's just kind of all checked out, whatever. You know what? I've had it. Boom. Kind of like that Howard Beale guy. Now that is not right. That is the worst possible thing you can do, but it's, it's, it's just an interesting manner. And he's, I don't think any pictures – we haven't seen many pictures of a guy mid-murder. It's mid-murder. He just fired the gun. You see the shell casing emerge. 
and it's it's a wild picture. It might be iconic. Might become an iconic photo. Remember that picture of the guy shooting the dude in Vietnam, the execution photo by uh, who took that picture? Eddie Albert or somebody like that? Uh, Eddie Eddie somebody? Eddie Adams. Eddie Adams, the photographer, got a Pulitzer Prize for that. This is kind of one of those pictures. Uh, never, ever, ever, gosh, violence killed the guy, but not with rage, with exhaustion. Very peculiar. Um, how about this? The uh, pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist nutjobs are everywhere. You heard about the big walkout. They just blew off school today to, you know, you know, embrace something they don't understand, probably, most of these kids. And then a bunch of pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist nutjobs showed up at BlackRock, uh, the great big, what do they do over there, financial firm, venture capital, private capital, private equity, uh, uh, hedge fund, you name it, they do it. And uh, their tentacles are all over the place. But they showed up into the lobby, and uh, it sounded like this. Black Rock, you can hide! Black Rock, you can hide! We charge you with genocide! We charge you with These people are all ignorant, totally ignorant. Um, amazing what they call genocide and what they don't call genocide. Uh, the Jews, this is attempted genocide against the Jews. I will say BlackRock kind of intimidates me, kind of confuses me. BlackRock uh, also is not a great name, don't you think? Doesn't it sound very ominous, very, you know, I'm not saying you have to, you know, be like chocolate ice cream has got to be the name of your you know, friendlies, but BlackRock is pretty intense, uh, they don't like Black Rock. I'm not sure why they're blaming Black Rock. Uh, there's that. Ooh, and I have this for you. Jason Scoop, the comedian. Oh, he does a great, great imitation of Trump. One of the best I've heard, but he also does other imitations. And here he is taking a whack at Barack Obama. Can we go? Go. Uh, when you look at uh, the situation in Israel, Middle East, uh, you have Muslims where, if you're a New Yorker, <laughs> you may order uh, a, a sandwich in the morning made by a Muslim. <laughs> okay. Or if you go to the local uh, deli, say, for instance, uh, Kansas or any place where you might find a uh, 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 matzo ball soup. And these people are, uh, uh, excuse me, in a conflict, and we're going to need to do. All right, it's not the greatest, but it's pretty damn good. The cadence, the cadence, the you know, taking a long time to explain something that's pretty simple. That is Barack Obama, baby. Hello, Carlotta, calling back from Rhode Island. Hello. Hi. Two things. Uh, the first thing, four hours a day. So we gave them four hours. And what are they giving us? No hostages? They can't release a few hostages during four hours? You know, you're damn, you know what, Carlotta? That is a great point. And the hostages have been totally overlooked in this uh, thing. Remember when they got our guys, the Iranian hostages, and Ted Koppel every night? You know, Americans in, in, in custody. America held hostage day 17. Nobody talks about the hostages anymore. Good for you, Carlotta. I like that a lot. Yeah, what about the hostages? What the hell did we get? They want humanitarian? Be humanitarian. Release the women and children, at least. All right, what else? 
All right. You got annoyed with me the last time I tried yeah, to Yeah, I, I, I do because, you know, you're a little bit pushy and, you know, you're, you're always like, you, you, you don't listen to me sometimes and I, I find it a little much and, you know, I ask you a question about uh, Rhode Island and you just blow it off. You know, I get it. You want to say something, that's fine, but, you know, you, you, you become rather, uh, uh, you know, not not as nice as you used to be, Carlotta. What can I tell you? I'm sorry. Okay, but you, you know, see, I you see, just to- like that, you don't have much feeling. You don't. I mean, you're, you're saying you're saying it as a formality, but uh, I don't think you really care. But it's okay. Uh, look, the world is a dangerous place, and a lot of important stuff is going on. More important than my feelings. So, what's your second point? All right, Greg. My children say the same exact thing about me. So really? you're not alone. Huh. Yes, they they say I would I would do anything in the world for them, but I'm not the most empathetic parent. Okay. All right, make you another point. Make the other point. All right, uh, you know uh, I think that when push comes to shove, when this is all over, people just do not see that Trump and DeSantis are a winning ticket. No, 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 DeSantis on that ticket, never. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, quite frankly, I one of my guilty pleasures is seeing Joe Biden get heckled or uh, <laughs> interrupted and disrupted in some way. And it happened just a little while ago up in Michigan. Don't you hate these little signs that they bring around the president? President Joe Biden standing with workers, standing with workers. They got a bunch of signs that say standing with workers, like the White House actually prints them up or orders them to whatever theme of the day. And it's been pointed out to me there's something kind of creepy about the way the president, this president, treats the American flag, how it's unfurled. I don't know what about it, but it's something that evokes a, a dark era of another country. I will put my finger on it eventually. I can't right now. There's something about the way this is displayed that's wrong. But back to the disruption, uh, he comes out and he's wearing, <laughs> I mean, it is a work day, right? Today's Thursday. Yeah, it's a work day. He, he's dressed up like it's Christmas Eve or Thanksgiving. He's wearing a great, uh, kind of oversized, great big, uh, oversized red sweater. It's more of a sweatshirt than a sweater, actually. And, <laughs> It, it's so bright red. It doesn't have a tie. He's got a shirt on underneath it. It looks so sloppy and weird. But then again, he's sloppy and weird. Anyway, he gets shouted down. I want to hear this. Go ahead, please. Oh, hello, hello. Some of you don't know. My state of Delaware, a little state, because we had a small population, had the highest percentage of UAW workers in the United States of America. We had the largest GM plant. We had the largest Chrysler plant outside of Detroit. And we had a lot of shipping as well. But here's the deal. I got raised on automobiles. My dad ran an automobile. He didn't own it. He ran an automobile agency for a long time. No, no, let let her go. Let her, no. No, don't. Let it. It's okay. Anyway. What the hell's going on? Look. 
I guess what I'm trying to say to you is I grew up in neighborhoods where I know what it likes when the plant closes down. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I think she was calling for a ceasefire, and uh, which I don't agree with, but I do agree with interrupting Joe, and <laughs> just about not that message. Uh, how about that, huh? Uh, he's up there in Detroit. He can, he tries to relate to everybody and it gets so phony and phony and phony. Delaware is not a big automotive. I grew up on cars. Well, it, you know, first he wants to be lunch pail down and out Joe Biden and then he's rich kid Joe Biden. It pivots. It pivots. Now, if you really look at his biography, he was a rich kid. He absolutely was a rich kid. You know, he lived in Garden City. Uh, you're not necessarily a rich kid in Garden City, but you ain't poor. All right. I grew up in Garden City. Uh, we weren't poor. I, if I ran for office, I couldn't tell you how down and out we were and worried about you know, we, we did just fine. He lived in Garden City. His dad was a uh, an owner of Mitchell Field, the airport, for a period of time. He was like this entrepreneur, this high level entrepreneur. Uh, and what else? Oh yeah, he, he owned the dealership, ran the dealership. And if you look really closely at Joe Biden's uh, past there, and sometimes he'll admit it, every year, guess what he got? A new car. 16, 17, 18, a new car. Brand new car. And you gotta keep an eye on Joe and the cars. There's something very suspicious about Joe and, uh, the automotive stuff. I will have more. At the appropriate time. Um, that is not now. Moving on. Yeah, I'm going to have to get into that later. We, we're doing a bit more. We got a little bit more to do. Um, hey, I'm really kind of, it's kind of cool. Dick Morris, you know, the great uh, political expert genius. There is a new book about Joe Biden, and he's got the dirt on Joe. And uh, people have known a lot of this stuff uh, for a long time, but he puts it all in one place, and he breaks some new ground. Very, very important book, and uh, I give him a lot of credit. Hey, this is not terribly important, but there's a new guy running for governor in in Virginia, and he's a Democrat, and I don't agree with him about anything, but his name is LeVar Stoney, and the one thing I really like about him is he's one of us. He grew up in East Meadow, East Meadow, Long Island, and he moved to Virginia as a kid, and now he's running for governor. Now, they need somebody to run Against Glenn Youngkin, right? Glenn Youngkin is the superstar. Even though he lost last night, I don't know what it is about Glenn Youngkin. Um, be governor. Get reelected. You can't be my president yet. We're for Trump. He's playing this game. Remember, uh, Youngkin, he thinks he can be president because he went to the schools that the fake news likes. He's very tall and he's rich. He is like six foot eight inches tall. And watch out for those really tall dudes. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, there is a sense of entitlement. There is often the air of superiority. You know, we have not yet had, I think there have been two presidents under six feet tall. That's it. Two. Teddy Roosevelt and some other guy. Uh Buchanan. Oh, I'm sorry, three. Uh Jimmy Carter. Everybody else is tall. You want, you just, and it helps in life. If you're tall, it just helps. I speak as somebody who is not tall. I'm not short, but I am not tall. And I see it all the time that the tall guys get the breaks, right? I'm not complaining. I've gotten plenty of breaks, but, uh, there is something to that. And that brings me back to Vivek Ramaswamy. I cannot tell. Is this guy short or tall? I saw him towering over Dana Bash last night. I mean, he was a foot taller. A foot taller. 
And Dana Bash, you know, she had her back up against the wall uh, because uh, Vivek ripped the fake news. And I loved it. Cut 17, please. Cut 17. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Chris, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross, this is how we get our country back. Oh, that was good. Put on the spot. They lied to us. They kept it going. Kristen Welker deserved it, and she had a fairly good answer, which was no answer. She just sat there with a great big smile on her face. Like, yeah, we did that. You know, (laughs) you got me, but, you know, what are you going to do? And uh, what are we going to do? We've got to do something more than what we're doing right now. And there are almost too many people in conservative media all going in a million different directions. And I love it. I love every single one of them. I listen to those podcasts. I listen to it all. But we need a juggernaut. We need something as big as the New York Times, CNN, and NBC all rolled into one because it's a problem. We don't set the agenda. We don't. We react to it. We react to it too often. I'm guilty of this myself. All right? It does happen. And there is something, even when I don't do it, it's funny because if you don't get a mainstream media reaction, for instance, the smoking guns. I said there were going to be a, uh, a smoking gun before Halloween, and people are still bothering me about it. Like, where's the smoking gun? Where's the smoking gun? Well, there were three, three in September and October. The $200,000 payment from James Biden to Joe Biden, the $40,000 payment from Sarah Biden to Joe Biden, the revelation that Joe Biden bought a house for $2.75 million in cash. This is heavy-duty stuff. This is the kind of stuff that takes down a president if they're a Republican. This is the kind of stuff that would get Donald Trump charged with uh, (laughs) uh, something real, all right? A real felony, not the fake ones. This is real stuff, not fake, not imaginary, real. But since it comes from our side, since it comes from James Comer, Republican of Kentucky, it's just James Comer, and they write him off as a hick even when he's got the goods and the media, they have an, they're, they're, they're so invested in Joe being clean because once we find out, once they find out he's a dirty, dirty, dirty guy lying, you know, they used to be strong enough and brave enough and smart enough to point it out. Now we're going to pretend that this is normal, pretend that this ruthless, depraved man is somehow a decent person. Now, they have done it for this long. They're going to try to get him over the finish line. They're going to try to bring him through 2024. We have to be so vigilant. We have to be so vigilant. They have scared our side from even talking about the 2020 election. You want to be sued? You want to be arrested? You want the FBI to come around? Don't talk about the 2020 election. Look at what they've done to Rudy. Look at what they've done to Rudy. I mean, they have tried, and I see him every day, so I know they have failed. But they've tried to destroy him. Take away his law licenses, ruin his business, ruin his everything, ruin his reputation. 
Now, you know what? Reputation. Somebody once said reputation is everything. No, it's not. <laughs> as long as you know you're doing the right thing, God knows you're doing the right thing, you know, the people close to you, who the hell cares what the fallen, corrupt world says about you? And uh, I can tell that Rudy has the fighting spirit. He's not lost the joy, the joie de vivre. He's always been a big embracer of life. And I love that. I love that kind of style. Um, why don't we, oh, Marianne, you're back. Hello. Hi. How you doing, Greg? Wonderful. Thank you. Listen, I wanted to ask you a question, mm. uh, because you have been getting very good at, um, you know, looking at January 6th shots, uh, you know, how you pause them and you slow walk them forward with no noise. Right. So they can see what's really going on. Can you do that with Jamal Bowman, where he says he tried the doors and then he went for the the fire alarm? Because if you're going to try the doors, you have to push down on the handle to open the door. And if you don't see his shoulders moving in a way where he's opening, pressing down on, on the bar, then he just put his hands on it and moved on to the next door to make it look like he was trying the door. because. He went for that fire alarm pretty quick, I think. Uh, you know, that's an interesting point. Wondering. Yeah, yeah. I got to listen to what he exactly said if he tried the door, because to me, you're right. That That's an interesting idea. Somebody else came up with another interesting idea. What was that? What did Carlotta say again? I like that a lot. And what was the? Oh, uh, the hostages, the hostage exchange. Yeah, that's got to happen. Uh, you guys are the best. Great ideas. Thank you. Everything else good with you? Uh, that's as good as it's going to get. Can I say, you know, about these uh, pro-Palestinian people? Sure. Yeah, that's the 2020 mob that burned down our stores and everything. That's all those people. It's the exact same people. It's the exact same people. people. And part of the thing that's going on here, they associate Hamas, uh, Black Lives Matter, right, with people of color. Right. And they think that anything related to people of color must be good and righteous. Right. So that's the side they take. They a lot of them see Jews as white. Uh, the uh, the Palestinians, Hamas, the terrorists, the terrorists. I'm not talking about Palestinians. It's either the terrorists as people of color. And for them, that's that's all they need. Uh, that's not how normal people view the world. That's not how you and I view the world. Right. Uh, <laughs> there's evil and there's good. And it's irrespective of race or ethnicity. But uh, we got a real problem over there and we have a real problem here. Just walking out of school. Thank you, Marianne. Oh, Barbara, you got something to say about that. Hi, welcome back. Hi, Greg. Yes, hearing about these students walking out of school. These are the mush-headed students that we have been raising for three generations, and that's what Bezmanoff warned us about, that these students have been exposed for three generations now to teachers who do not like America, who have been sent forth from our universities to teach that America is a racist, horrible place and to teach to learn nothing about our founding, let alone about our freedom of religion, etc. So we shouldn't be surprised when these students do this. I know from the 25 years when I taught at a community college, even at that age, the students are so vulnerable to what their professors and their teachers say. They are very easily swayed. And we will never change their minds. Thomas Paine told us to argue with a person who has renounced the use of reason is like administering medicine to the dead. 
Uh, that is, uh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm worried about my own children as they get older and older in school and all that stuff because they are very, very persuadable. Um, and you know, if you really want an, a lesson in all of what you've been talking about, you know, we're not crazy. They're crazy. And go to Oreo, Oreo cookie, the Oreo cookie grew up with Oreos. What could be crazy about Oreo cookies? Nothing, right? Chocolate and cream. No big deal. Have you seen the gay campaign, the pride campaign that Oreo is doing? And they do this whole weird thing about some kid coming out of the closet when he's 15, like coming out gay. And somehow they try to tie in Oreo cookies and the family. It's just the most bizarre, perverse, weird, has nothing to do. This is where they're taking us. And that crazy drag queen hanging around the schools and public school and Eric Adams is on their side. We need drag time story hour. It's a... Anyway, um, this is how susceptible kids are, actually. You know, I've done nothing to teach my daughter uh, Spanish, but she knows Spanish. Go ahead. Okay. All right. You see, she speaks Spanish. I played that yesterday. Barbara, great point. Hey, Dick Morris, when I come back. Thank you. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Legendary presidential advisor Dick Morris has a new book. It's Corrupt, the inside story of Biden's dark money. His last book, uh, The Return of Donald Trump. My gosh, a roadmap to what would happen in 2023, 2024. What is happening right now, uh, this book is guaranteed to be a bestseller. Uh, Dick Morris, how are you? Welcome. I'm great, Gabe. Great. Great to talk to you now. Looking forward to talking to you tonight. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited about this book, Corrupt, the Inside Story of Biden's Dark Money. You know, we uh, we know some things about it. Uh, tell us a little bit. Tell what what's the most important well, thing. Well, the most important thing in it is uh, is not only what Biden got from China, but what China got from Biden. And I go through all areas of U.S. policy and itemized 20 different things, the policies that China got away with that hurt the United States and helped China, that Biden either promulgated or let happen. And uh, the, this is the quote of the quid pro quo. Um, for example, they got away with COVID completely. Um, they claim it was a backbite that spread it. Nobody believes that. They, their apologists say it was a lab leak. Uh, I think it was a deliberately made bioweapon that was deployed against the United States to defeat Donald Trump. And it killed a million Americans and six million throughout the world. <clears throat> and even if it was an inadvertent, mistaken lab leak, what the hell was China doing taking a virus and making it highly communicable yeah. and highly deadly to humans? Well, we know they got a lot of money from China. Hey, can I can I steer you uh, in another direction in the book? You mentioned a guy yeah. named, I think his name is Hyanaski, Hynoski. Yeah. Uh, who is Hyanaski. that guy? Yeah, yeah. Who is that guy? He's got a tie to the Bidens. Tell he's, us all about him. He's an auto dealer, automobile dealer in Delaware. And with long ties to Biden and lots of campaign contributions. And when Biden was campaign was speaking in Ukraine, he in 2014, he talked about Hyansky, what a great guy he was, and mentioned him from the podium several times. It turned out that Hyansky uh, had applied for a government loan 
for several million dollars to open an auto business, auto dealership, not in the U.S., but in Ukraine. And he got the money. And when he got, after he got the money, he turned right around and wrote a $500,000 check to Frank Biden, Joe's brother, who then had, who had a tax lien, I'm sorry, $900,000 check, who had a $500,000 tax lien outstanding, another lien for 26000 from a vendor. And those liens mysteriously disappeared. So it, we need to investigate whether Biden mentioned him, worked on getting him the loan, worked on the U.S. government making the loan in order to pay off a tax lien that his brother had. Wow. That is amazing. Totally amazing. Um, and, go ahead. Uh, you can go through the whole list of policies that we're adopting. John Kennedy almost took us to nuclear war because the Russians wanted to put a base in Cuba. The Chinese now are putting two of them in. Biden doesn't do anything. There are 300,000 Chinese students who study in the United States every year. Trump set up an office to screen them and investigate them to make sure there was no spying. Biden closed the office and said that it was racial profiling. Uh, the uh, China requires American companies that move there to move all their facilities there and take on a forced marriage of a Chinese partner. Hey, Bill, uh, uh, Dick, uh, Dick Morris, uh, there is so much in this book that we must read. Go online, folks, uh, and find it. Corrupt, the inside story of Biden's dark money. Dick Morris, thank you. Thank you for this book. To be continued.